0: Hello, and welcome to another episode of Virtual Legality. I'm your host, Richard Hogue, managing member of the Hogue Law Business Law Firm of Northville, Michigan. And though we usually spend our time in this space primarily talking about software technology, video games and such, there are a number of other technology companies that are deserving of some coverage here and in other legal channels. Of course, one of those is probably one that you haven't missed in either pop culture or the modern media, and that is, of course, Theranos, the healthcare, health instrument company that was supposed to revolutionize all of our healthcare by being able to diagnose and otherwise identify maladies and problems through only a single. Blood sample. And the head of that company, Elizabeth Holmes, got a great deal of attention. As you can see here, if you're watching on the Forbes cover, the famous Forbes cover, or as Inc. called her, the next Steve Jobs. She was a very, very famous person who had made a lot of money and gotten a lot of investment in this concept. Only at the end of the day, it was all found out to be a fraud something that you might also know if you just watch hulu shows for instance like the dropout which covered this story at length this all led of course to a conviction because you can't just lie about what your instrumentation does what your healthcare technology actually accomplishes and so elizabeth holmes in january of this year was as the new york times puts it found guilty of four charges of fraud Uh, ms holmes was found guilty for stealing the money from the investors based on a technology that didn't work was not found guilty on some other counts about defrauding patients and that is where we would have thought it would be left each count carries a maximum sentence of 20 years in prison terms that are likely to be served concurrently ms holmes 37 is expected to appeal a sentencing date is expected to be set at a hearing on the three hung charges next week so that's the state of play you've got a ceo that was very popular very famous gets a hulu show made about her, is convicted for fraud in january but that just doesn't seem to be the place where modern trial stories end especially not when celebrity and wealth is involved well if you guessed that there was more drama here then you probably read the thumbnail or the title description to this video and indeed there is as of a couple of hours ago The New York Times goes out with a headline describing an evidentiary hearing that happened yesterday that goes a little something like this. Elizabeth Holmes' case takes on more drama ahead of sentencing. Now, I'm not a big fan of drama, but legal drama can probably be allowed in this context. As the subheading says from the New York Times, Ms. Holmes, founder of the failed blood testing startup Theranos, asked for a new trial after a surprise visit from a key witness to her house. Now, this actually happened in August. If you were really keeping track of things, you might have noticed that this did occur and was used to go ask for this evidentiary hearing. But since the hearing has now actually happened, we can dive into it a bit more fulsomely. And it's a really, really interesting story, as so many aspects of the Theranos story actually are. So let's let the New York Times tell the story. When Elizabeth Holmes, the founder of the failed blood testing startup Theranos, was convicted of fraud in January, the verdict represented the end of a drawn-out saga. But in the ensuing months, as Ms. Holmes has awaited her sentence, the drama around her case has only escalated. First, Ms. Holmes' co-conspirator, the former chief operating officer of Theranos, was convicted of fraud in July, more fraud counts than she was convicted of. Then Ms. Holmes asked the judge to overturn her conviction, citing a lack of evidence and submitted a flurry of requests for a new trial based on new evidence. Really, really pushing hard for that appeal. At recent hearings over the case, she has appeared visibly pregnant with her second child, and in August, a key witness did something highly unusual in a criminal case. He showed up at her house. That incident became the basis of Ms. Holmes' latest attempt to reverse her fortunes. On Monday, the 38-year-old, her parents and partner, lawyers, and a scrum of media gathered in a federal courtroom in San Jose, California, for a hearing that could open the door to her getting a new trial. The visit by the key witness, Ms. Holmes' lawyers argued, raised questions about his credibility, and the fairness of the trial. Now, we haven't been told enough yet. If we're just reading this story from the first instance, why would a witness coming to visit her house even jeopardize this at all? Obviously, because it's unusual, because as the New York Times describes it, you are going to be aggressively seeking various avenues of appeal. This all makes sense from a kind of litigation strategy perspective. But what was the real basis for Holmes and her team arguing this point? Well, first, the New York Times puts a little bit of a wet blanket on the proceedings from the start, and it's an accurate one, in my opinion. The move is a long shot, experts said, or say. It is a near certainty that the judge will deny Elizabeth Holmes a new trial on the basis of the witness's visit to her house, said Amanda Kramer, a former federal prosecutor who is a partner at the law firm of Covington & Burling. The judge most likely allowed the hearing to prevent Ms. Holmes from using the incident in her inevitable appeal. Ms. Kramer added, now, we can take a step back from just that paragraph, right? What is the trial judge concerned about? The trial judge has thought about this, has gone through this whole process, has been involved in this for a very long time, and doesn't want to see a sentence get overturned at the Court of Appeals. So sometimes a judge, which is an often very conservative position, small c, not about politics, looks at this and says, all right, if it's not really going to hurt anything, let's allow this particular argument its line so that when the court of appeals looks at this, they don't kick it back down to me because I didn't adequately explore all the potential avenues of problems with this trial sentencing. So the conservative judge looks at it and says, okay, fine, Uh, what do you got? And then has a hearing like they had yesterday. But little about Ms. Holmes' case, which came to symbolize the pitfalls of Silicon Valley's hype-driven startup culture has been typical. Ms. Holmes and her partner, Billy Evans, declined to comment on the case, or whether they are expecting. At issue is an August 8th visit from Dr. Adam Rosendorf, who played a key role in Theranos' rise as its lab director. He later became a whistleblower who helped expose the company's fraud. Theranos had told patients and investors that its revolutionary technology could accurately perform thousands of blood tests with a single drop of blood, when it could not. During Ms. Holmes' trial last year in which she faced nearly a dozen counts of misleading patients and investors, Dr. Rosendorf endured six bruising days of testimony. If you've been following me for Johnny Depp, Amber Heard, Epic versus Apple, whatever you might otherwise be following virtual legality or just lawyers on YouTube in general, that's an amazingly long set of testimony, right? This really is a key witness. Sometimes you look at these headlines and they overblow these things. This is a key witness for the prosecution, the longest of any witness. Afterward, jurors said they had found his testimony among the most credible in the trial. Then, in August, Dr. Rosendorf visited Theranos' former office in Palo Alto, California, as well as the first Walgreens store the company had worked with. Both he found were gone. That in and of itself is kind of either written or actually occurred as a weird type of oddity. Why is this person looking for the headquarters of a company that clearly would be gone by now? Why would you go and visit the drugstore that you sold your first product into, what is this individual about? And that's going to become a line of questioning we will hear in that evidentiary hearing. As a result, he suddenly felt that a conversation with the defendant was the missing piece to moving on with his life, his lawyers said in a filing. Dr. Rosendorf drove to Ms. Holmes' residence in nearby Woodside, California. Mr. Evans answered and told him to leave. So again, setting the stage here, You've got a key witness that basically testified against you and your company, legitimately, as by all appearances, this was in fact a fraud, and did it for six days. And now months later, is going to your company headquarters, is going to this drugstore, and then ultimately is showing up at your house. And the question becomes why? But in the legal context, right, which is what we're interested here in, in virtual legality, What does it mean for the nature of the testimony in question, right? Why does the New York Times say at the top of the article that the jurors found him particularly credible? It's because if this guy is having some kind of mental breakdown, it is an open question as to whether or not he was having a similar kind of incident or understanding of the real world back when he was giving testimony in the trial itself. And realistically, any kind of issue with testimony at this level is something that you could at least try to set up an appeal with. From there, the accounts differ. Ms. Holmes' camp said that Dr. Rosendorf had expressed guilt over his role in the situation and that he had said government prosecutors made things sound worse than they were. Ms. Holmes argued that the incident called Dr. Rosendorf's testimony and the government's entire case into question, which meant she deserved a new trial. And now things get a little odd as the New York Times properly kind of introduces us. You can imagine if you're intuitively thinking about this situation, that a witness looks at it and says, you know, I never meant to destroy the company. I never meant to destroy you or your family. I have regrets about everything that has happened with respect to my involvement in this company. It doesn't necessarily mean he isn't speaking the truth. And one thing that would be really damning to the issue for the Holmes side of things would be if he were to come into an evidentiary hearing and say, no, I spoke the truth. I'm just unhappy with what the outcomes of my speaking the truth were. And, well, we'll see that's pretty much exactly what happens. On Monday, Dr. Rosendorf returned to the stand. This is at the evidentiary hearing. The judge says, okay, what are we talking about? What happened in August? What are we going through? Judge Edward Davila, who oversaw Ms. Holmes' trial, asked whether Dr. Rosendorf's testimony at the trial was truthful and whether the government had faithfully represented the facts. He testified affirmatively. Before we even get to the rest of the article, folks, that ends this right? The judge looking at that particular testimony is not going to offer a new trial. That is the nuclear weapon of a request here to the trial judge. So when you have this particular witness saying, no, no, I I don't think I spoke untruthfully. I just have regrets. That's not going to get you a new trial. Then Lance Wade, Ms. Holmes' lawyer, grilled him. Why did Dr. Doctor Rosendorf want to visit Ms. Holmes? Had Dr. Rosendorf had a mental breakdown that impacted his testimony? Was the government trying to make everyone look bad? The, the answer to that question is yes. They were prosecuting the case. Was Dr. Rosendorf seeking to help Ms. Holmes? All completely legitimate questions, right? I-, I say this is drama. The New York Times says this is drama. I don't blame anybody for trying to avoid 20 years in prison. You can certainly ascribe blame to the incidents that get you to that place, But at that point in time you can question witnesses you can have things like this which are very unusual and you can wind up in a situation where hey are you having a mental breakdown are you trying to help my client etc etc are legitimate questions but dr rosendorf sticks to his guns he says he responds by accusing ms holmes lawyers of trying to paint him as a liar and indeed they are they're trying to make it seem like he's a liar because if he is their client might get that new trial he said he felt sympathy for theranos employees who were affected by the scandal A lot of innocence at the bottom of this, but not for Ms. Holmes and her co-conspirator, Ramesh Balwani. He added that he felt bad that Ms. Holmes' children would grow up without a mother if she went to prison. And then this New York Times article finishes by recounting that 20 years in prison, probably served concurrently. So from 37 to 57, while she appears to the New York Times and everybody else that's looking at it as pregnant currently. And so this is the situation as it exists today. The full expectation, however, is that that evidentiary hearing, that testimony is going to wind up kicking this out of court again. And we'll go through the formal appeals process. But I thought it was interesting enough to talk about because it is so rare. It is such an unusual circumstance to have a key witness that should know better, honestly, with this type of relationship, go to somebody's house because they know the address and effectively say, I'm sorry. And we're getting into messaging, we're getting into meaning, right? There's a difference between, I'm sorry, I lied and the prosecutors made me do it. And I'm sorry that my telling the truth is going to cause you, a person that I care about, probably by the sounds of things, to lose everything they hold dear. And this is covered across the journalistic spectrum. You can see all sorts of articles on this. This is from Business Insider. Elizabeth Holmes faces a hurdle in her bid to get a new trial, which is perhaps an understatement I don't want to help Ms. Holmes, Rosendorf added. The only person that can help her is herself. She needs to pay her debt to society, right? There isn't going to be a new trial in this, folks, at least not at the trial court level. The accuracy of Rosendorf's testimony had been thrown into question in recent weeks after he went to Holmes's home, not the best sentence, in August and allegedly expressed regret over what he said on the stand During her trial, Rosendorf allegedly spoke with Holmes' partner, Billy Evans, and said he said when he was called as a witness, he tried to answer the questions honestly, but that the prosecutors tried to make everybody look bad in the company. He said that the government made things sound worse than they were when he was up on the stand during his testimony. Folks, this is what law enforcement does. If they decide to charge you with a crime, They will take the testimony and the evidence and anything else that they can find, and they will try to make the strongest case possible for why their charges should stick. Now, anybody caught in the crosshairs of that kind of activity could absolutely look at it and said, no, no, that's not quite what I meant. I'm telling the truth, but you keep twisting it. You keep framing it as more nefarious than it is and feel bad about it. But that's not really up to you as the civilian in this particular context. And I know that that can rub people the wrong way. But this particular doctor doesn't appear, at least from only of these articles that we can see, to be having a mental breakdown, just looking for some amount of reconciliation or repentance or just clearing of the conscience that what he said in court is going to cause all these negative effects for people, particularly Elizabeth Holmes, that he would appear to care about. I can certainly be sympathetic to that while as a lawyer looking at the legal language here and saying, no. No. The prosecution doesn't appear to have stepped over any bounds that I can see. Holmes subsequently filed a motion seeking a new trial. That's what we were talking about. And she was granted a small victory when the judge in her case allowed for the evidentiary hearing we talked about yesterday. Rosendorf clarified, at all times, the government encouraged me to tell the truth and only the truth. So you can see this drama is a little bit hollow at the end of the day. He also explained that he tried to see Holmes in August because he felt distressed that Holmes's child, born last year, would grow up without a mother. It is my understanding that Ms. Holmes may be pregnant again. Neither Holmes nor her attorneys have publicly said if she's expecting a second trial. So that's basically the state of things right now. Uh, and we can see what exactly all of those motions and all those arguments at appeal will wind up being. Certainly, if she is pregnant, she might get dispensation from the actual act of going into prison for a certain amount of time. We don't know that. All of these things are speculative and rumor-based. But at the end of the day, Theranos... Elizabeth Holmes continues to be one of the more dramatic aspects of technology law that we have seen in the recent past. So I did want to at least touch on it, even though we haven't talked about this particular case very often in virtual legality. If you do like this kind of content, discussions of business and law, of technology, video game software, and more, please consider supporting the channel at Utreon or Patreon, or just subscribing, telling your friends, and otherwise sharing this kind of conversation.